live in an area of the city um, called Shire Green, which um, some of you will be familiar with through coming up and serving on and blessing our um, local secondary school at Firth Park. Um, but for those of you who don't know it, it's um, part of a sprawling, enormous council estate. Um, and it's an area where people live um, with quite a lot of um, deprivation, quite low employment rate, quite high substance abuse rate, and where people really need hope, <laughs> which I think is why we've been asked um, to talk to you today. Um, so um, we obviously live there because uh, we have hope in Jesus for the land, um, and we have hope of heaven coming in, um, in people's lives who we um, live amongst. Um, so we actually live next door to each other. We've got two semi-detached houses and a common garden, which yep. is quite cool. Um, I live with my husband, Robin. Um, we've got three sons, um, and we currently have uh, a housemate and friend who was formerly homeless. So there's six of us in our house and five of you yep. in your home next door. And we, we live very um, communally, and um, we have lots of people coming and going uh, in our home as we do various different um, ministries throughout, throughout the week. So um, we live there because uh, Jesus has given us, well, because he asked us to. <laughs> um, it's probably not the place that you would um, choose to live to store up treasures uh, on this earth. <laughs> um, but back when I was um, 23, when i just finished form, anyone doing form? Um, I went out to... Um, an area of remote uh, South Africa with um, Phil and Jan Burnham's daughter, Vicky. Um, and we went out um, to a missionary hospital there. And I was really testing my calling to say, Lord, shall I be a missionary? I trained as an orthoptist. And I went to serve um, and to test people's eyes in this hospital. And, and I got to do amazing things while I was there. So I got to train the nurses how to detect cataracts and I got to, to bus people off to a hospital and I saw them literally like the blind returning, singing and dancing. Um, amazing. And yet all the time I was there, I, I just had this niggling feeling that this really wasn't where I was called to. And then while I was there, something quite dramatic happened. Um, when I was a student, I came to Sheffield as a student, I'd come and I'd served in this children's outreach program called STOMP, um, where kids, um, I think it's Y3 to Y6, they come and they, they, they don't, they, children who don't know about Jesus, and we would knock on their doors, and this is how I got to know the area of Shire Green, I'd knock on their doors and we'd invite them to come to this kids club, and we'd just tell them how much God loved them. And some of those kids had become Christians. There was um, one family who'd become Christians through that. Um, and while I, was in, while I was out in South Africa, um, one of the um, youth who'd become a Christian, um, he was murdered. He was, he was brutally murdered. And um, I was in South Africa, and I managed to check my emails. And as I read this email that um, Terry had been murdered... Um, the Lord just said to me, my sheep need a shepherd. And um, I'd gone all the way out to South Africa to go, Lord, shall I be a missionary? And the Lord said, yes, back home. <laughs> um, so I came back and, um, and 
I said, I'm, I'm going to move to Shire Green. I'm going to, I'm going to live there. It was really melodramatic at the time. I was like, I'll probably die there. <laughs> um, but um, I, <laughs> I was, you know, moving in response to some dramatic events, and I was youthful. And so anyway, um, <laughs> I came back and said, I'm going to move to Shire Green. And so. Um, Bought a house, miraculously, that's a whole other story, that was, that was totally the Lord providing money to, to do that, and bought the house, and then um, Rachel came to uh, join me a couple of years later, um, and then in time, you met Sam, I met Robin, we got married, and the house next door came up for sale, um, just totally the Lord, all those things, you couldn't make any of those things happen, um, and I'd I just want to go back to the to the Bible verse that we were that we were reading today, which is, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth um, uh, and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Um, and I think the reason. The reason that I began to spend time in Shire Green um, was because I really started to develop a love for the people. When you serve people and when you pray for them and when you love the people that God loves, you, God gives you such a heart for them. And my testimony in living there is that you cannot outgive God. You can't outgive God. So God asks us, doesn't he, to have a heavenly mindset. He asks us to have a heavenly viewpoint, to keep focused on the treasures of heaven. And the treasures of heaven, the commodity of the, of the kingdom, are his people. And he loves his people so much. And this verse goes on to say that the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. And I've heard, I've, I've read that that word, if your eyes are good, um, can be translated if your eyes are generous. If your eyes are generous to see people the way that he sees people, the way that our God sees people, we will be impacted. We will be full of light. We will be full of his light towards them. And the reason, the reason that we can be so generous to people around us with our time and with our money, with our prayers, is because God is so generous to us, isn't he? He is the perfect, most generous, generous father. He is the way that he sees us, the way that he calls us righteous. He calls us beloved. He calls us his cherished children is so, so generous to us. I've, I've been really impacted um, by um, the work of Heidi and Roland Baker. Is anybody familiar with them? Yes, jumping, jumping. Um, so I had the privilege of going out to Mozambique um, and giving the children in the, uh, the orphanages uh, their glasses. Um, and whilst I was there, I was so blessed by their stories Every child had a story that they wanted to tell me. They wanted to tell me how they were living. I was living on the rubbish dump when Mama Heidi came and talked to me and said, do you want to come home? 
I was trying to provide for my seven brothers and sisters when Mama Heidi stopped on the street and said to me, do you want to come home with me? And Heidi and Roden Baker, they have, they have this saying of stop for the one. Stop for the one. Um, and the world, you know, the world doesn't particularly value, does it? The last, the lost, and the least. Those living on the streets or those taking drugs in a house in Shire Green. Like, the, the world doesn't have a lot of time for those people. But God really does. And I was so impacted by the way each had a story. And I was, I was in this total mess. And Mama Heidi sat on the ground with me and said, do you want to come home? And isn't that true for all of us that we're all in a mess? We're all orphans until through Jesus we meet God and he says, do you want to come home? And that's, that's who we meet all the time, isn't it, Rach? In Shire we meet people who are hopeless um, who, who know that they're orphans, and we have the privilege of sitting and having a cup of tea with them in their home or welcoming them into quackers where they're, where they're having a place where they're maybe meeting their child who's been taken away from them into care, and they're coming to our toddler group to meet with them and in this desperate place. And we have the, the privilege of loving them and, and talking with them and saying, do you know what? God really loves you. God absolutely loves you. God is, God is for you. God is on your side. Do you know that? Do you know, how, do you know how revolutionary this is to some of these people? To say to them, God loves you and God is on your side. Honestly, they, they can't believe it. People, you know, if you, you say this with confidence, people are blown away. Imagine these, these people who've lost their children to, to care and, and they're desperately trying to fight a drug addiction. You say, God loves you. God is on your side. And, and I, I heard this verse from, um, you, I heard Eugene Peterson's, um, I'm a huge fan of Eugene Peterson. Give me all my favorites this morning. Um, Eugene Peterson's son said, um, said at his funeral, my dad, he only had one sermon. It's, it's fallacy, really. There's all these books, you know. His only sermon was this, that God loves you, that God is on your side, that God is coming after you, and he is relentless. And he is never going to stop coming, coming, after, coming after you. And when we know, when we've received that generosity of God, um, welcomed into the arms of majesty, then that is the way that we can then, we can, we've experienced that love and we can, we can be sure that God loves these people who are living in, in, in brokenness and who can come home just like Mama Heidi was able to say, do you want to come home into the, into the Father's house? We can say that, we can say that. So how do we do that then? Um, I want to turn to Isaiah 61. Um, these were the words spoken by Isaiah, and then our Lord Jesus, he stood up and spoke these. And these, these are words that are really important to us, aren't they? So I'm going to read these out. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor 
and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work with your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of God. And you will feed on the wealth of nations and on their riches you will boast. Instead of shame, my people will receive a double portion. And we we meet lots of people living in a lot of shame. And we have got a double portion to offer them. A life of forgiveness of being washed in the blood of Jesus and a new start. Um, we had we had one we had one lady um, called um, one lady I'll call her D. She came to um, to our toddler group, and um, she came to meet her child there. Her child was in foster care, um, and she'd moved to our side of the city to flee an abusive relationship and substance abuse. And um, she was meeting her three-month-old son who was actually in the foster care of a Christian who was praying for her which is amazing and um, she uh, she found support in our community and she decided to get baptized she wanted a visible symbol of being washed in the blood of Jesus and she fought really hard and she got her son back and she is now a rehabilitation officer herself working in Shire Green and um and and um, and bringing her son up in the local school, and I just wanted to share that because instead of her disgrace, she received a double portion and rejoices in her inheritance in the Lord. I'm going to let Rachel take this on further. Is that okay? Yeah, well, that's fine. Thanks, Charles. Um, yeah. So Isaiah 61 was like, it was a really big verse for me. I've been a Christian a couple of years. I finished university and I was like, what am I going to do? Lord, what should I do? I don't want to just get a job and do life, I guess. I want to like, I want to be after you. I want to be chasing you. I want to be following you. I want to be where you are. And um, at the time I was doing stomp and leading it and it was it was amazing and I felt like God was saying we are planting seeds of hope in these people seeds of hope in these children and it's amazing because we've been there for 10-15 years now and we're seeing those children in stomp now have their own children at the same time as us it's a bit strange but it's amazing because they are actually reaching out to God Loads of them have joined the youth club and they've gone to Soul Survivor and they've become Christians and like God is at work in them and he's doing his thing. And, um, and, and so I just was like, right, well, I'll go to Shire Green because that's where the last, the least and the lost seem to be in my life. And I want to be there and I want to be doing what God's doing there and I want to be serving him. Um, 
Now, I wanted to go back to Matthew 6, and, um, and it says, like, where our treasure is, there our heart is also. Jesus was obviously talking to us, but I wanted to flip it, and I wanted to say, where is God's heart? God's heart, Jesus' heart, it's for the Father, it's for the Spirit, but it's for his children. He came to earth, and he invested in us, and we are his treasure. And I think that's really profound that we are his treasure, each and every one of us. Um, every child is amazing and his treasure. And I wanted to read um, a little excerpt from an amazing book written by Isabel Allen. Some of you will know who she is, but she's an amazing prophet. Um, and this is where she was taken up into the third heaven. Okay, and she says, In revelations of the third heaven, twice I have seen God create people. That is one of the most wonderful and powerful things I've ever experienced in my life. I've seen God do many things, but creating people is what he likes to do the most. He is relaxed when he does this. He enjoys every minute of it, and he laughs and whistles and sings. And he sings a song over each person, a different song over each one. And then she goes on to quote um, Zephaniah 3.17, where it says, He will rejoice over us with singing. Like, we are so precious to God. So precious. And um, Jesus came didn't he? And he stood in the synagogue and he said, and he read Isaiah 61 and he said, I am the fulfillment of this. And as he left and he went into heaven, he commissioned us to go and love everyone as he has loved us, to bring them hope. And with that, he gave us the Holy Spirit in our hearts so that we could go out and do that. Now, that's not always easy. So I just thought I'd share a couple of testimonies that have recently happened Um, in my life and with what I'm doing, just so that you get an idea of how things work for me and how God talks to me. Um, But I like to listen to the Holy Spirit and I like to try and do what he's doing. I feel like that's what Jesus did and that's what I want to do. So it was two weeks ago, I was on the school gate, less than two weeks actually, and um, one of the mums there, who's usually quite joyful and happy, she just seemed a bit grumpy and a bit like down, and I said, are you okay? And she said, no, my shoulder really hurts, I damaged it lifting something, and I'm waiting for the physio, but I'm just in agony and I can't sleep, and it's really hard. And I just felt like Jesus prompted me to say, oh, do you... Shall I pray for you? And she said, oh, yeah, if you've got healing powers, can you pray for me? And I said, no, I don't, but Jesus does. And he's really good at that. And she was like, yeah, okay, you can pray for me. And I said, can I pray for you now? And she said, yes. And then, um, and then I said, can I lay my hand on your shoulder? And she said, yes. And, um, and I did this because I felt really prompted by the Lord. And um, I laid my hand and I prayed for her. And I just said a simple prayer like, Jesus, you're really good and you love to heal. And we just pray that you heal her shoulder. And then she went away. Anyway, the next morning she came back and she was like, you wouldn't believe it. My shoulder is so much better. And I was like, how much better? She's like, 90% better. She's like, I can move it. I slept so well last night. And I mean, she didn't have a total healing, but she was really touched by God. And she even called it a miracle herself. And that was a seed of hope that God planted 
in her life at that moment. And I felt like that was all I needed to do. God will carry on planting those seeds and he will draw her closer and closer and closer because she is his treasure and he loves her. And then another day I was there at school and there were two parents having a bit of an argument and I knew one of them and I knew a bit of the situation so I thought I'd better stand back and just listen and make sure that they were okay. Anyway, it sort of finished and I went to talk to her and she was all a bit upset so I said I went to then talk to the other person and she went off and while I was talking to this other person she basically just fell about with all this emotion and all these fears and anxiety and everything just bubbled out of her and she talked and I just stood there and listened and it was freezing cold it was you know one of those days where the frost was hard on the ground and um and it was freezing cold and I just stood there and I listened and I listened and I listened and at the end I said have you tried to pray about it I felt that's what the Holy Spirit said have you ever prayed about it and um and she said no I've never prayed and, uh, and then she told me her story, that she'd lost her mom in this horrendous situation when she was 12. And um, at that point, she decided there couldn't be a God. Or if there was a God, she didn't want to know him. And she's now like 46, she said. And uh, so all these years, she's like lived just not believing that there could be a God. And she just told me about this story. And then at the end, she looked really relieved. And she said, yeah, I'm going to go and pray. I didn't really have to say anything. I just followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But a seed of hope was planted in her heart. And her light, her face changed. And life was so visible there. And, um, and I'm just really excited to see what God will do in both those parents now. Um, so I think we've got like a massive um, privilege as Christians to carry his hope and to plant seeds. I think a lot of it's planting seeds, but allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work. And just, um, I just think it's really good to just listen to him. And when you listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll know it's his voice because it's gentle and it's loving and it's beautiful. And if it's not those things... And don't, don't speak it out. But really listen and really weigh and really get to know Holy Spirit because he is amazing and he's about changing lives and he wants to use us to do it. So back to you, Shel. Sorry, I've got this. Oh. Um, thanks, Rach. So Isaiah 61 can feel like a pretty tall order, can't it? <laughs> um, and it can be a little bit difficult to know where to start. Where do we go about binding up the, the brokenhearted and proclaiming good news and release from captivity? But I guess we, want, we both wanted to share stories of how um, those things don't have to look that difficult or that complicated. Like, where can we start? Well, like talking to somebody on the school gate is, is a place to start or... We just invited a family round, um, round for, to have tea with us and to decorate the Christmas tree with us, a single mum with four children. And at one point, the children started playing up. And she said to them, children, be, you know, be quiet. Who else, who else has you round for dinner? And they all looked at her and they said, nobody. So you might think it's just nothing, really, to invite a family round for dinner. But 
that might be the only invitation that they've got. And how much does that speak God's love to them? Um, a really dear friend of ours, she started, um, she wanted to do a parents' ministry while our stomp club was going on. Um, and she was going through a really hard time herself. She was going through some depression and, and um, you know, thinking, feeling quite lonely. And she just said, well, I, I just think what I could offer is I could offer the parents a cup of tea. Well, do you know how many parents became Christians through that? A whole family, a whole family, and their, their family again became Christians through that. And one lady um, kept, was able to break a 15-year drug addiction um, to marijuana where she, where she came, into, um, came into our home group and received prayer um, and has since got married and is, bringing her, is, is trying to bring her children up as Christians. You know, it can start with something as simple as a, as a cup of tea. You might feel like you haven't got... You know, all the we all start somewhere, don't we? I started by knocking on doors and giving a flyer to family, saying God loves you. We can we can all start somewhere, and I think just seeing people generously is where to start. You know, when I'm when I talk with people, um, I try, and I don't get this right all the time, but I try and remember those words that God loves you. God is on your side. He's coming after you and he's relentless. And I try in my mind just to speak those things over somebody. Um, and in my kind of other life, as a, <laughs> as a university lecturer, I, I did my PhD in neuroscience. Um, and I can tell you that the brain responds to being really, really well listened to synonymously with being loved. If you, want to, if you want to minister God's love to somebody, the best thing you can do is to really listen to them. Really actively listen to them. Listen to their story, like, like Rachel did with, with, with that mum at the school gate. Really listen. Um, and, and also listen to, to God's generous heart for them. And sometimes we don't need to say very much, but... Um, people are really longing to hear this good news. That's our hope. Don't, don't go away from here today and think, oh, well, this, this is, I can't really share that God, God loves you. But because people are really desperate to hear this. And even if they don't outwardly tell you, I really enjoyed hearing that, um, people are, are desperate to come home into God's family. And that is our, we could tell you story upon story upon story. And and God redeems lives. That's our hope, isn't it? We've seen four, four families um, completely break drug addiction. And we've seen um, two, three families get their children back from care and, 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 and be living together as a family again. Um, huge, huge redemption. Even the most broken, messy circumstances. I often think it's like when I meet somebody, it's like, um, have you ever got your sewing box into a real mess? <laughs> And everything is like really tangled up. And God just takes out one bobbin at a time and he just sorts it out. And one bobbin at a time and he sorts it out. And that's a beautiful picture I I see as as we minister to those around us. So we wanted to um, finish by reading um, Isaiah once more. But what we'd like you to do is just to close your eyes and let the Lord speak to you. And he might highlight, we felt like he just wanted to highlight some verses um, to people this morning. And these might be a verse where um, you might feel that you need hope. You might, 
you might have given up hope of being able to share the good news because it hasn't gone so well. Or you might have given up hope in being able to bind up the broken hearted because you've been rejected. Or, um, or it may be that you, you have a loved one who really needs comfort or really needs um, healing for a broken heart or needs freedom from drug captivity or the captivity of loneliness. Um, so we'd, we'd just like you to just close your eyes and we'll read these, um, these verses over you. And um, if the Lord just, um, if he highlights one of these verses um, to you, then, then just allow him to speak into your heart. And we also, we also just wanted, um, to, we felt God wanted you to know how generously he loves you. And if you've not, um, if you if you don't really know that, if that's if if you don't really know that in your knower, <laughs> then um, then come come forward for ministry. So if you just close your eyes, and the the, the band will um, bless us with some music, and we'll read these. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise Instead of a spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and on their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance.